Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Happy Mother's Day. And I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to my mother. Uh, she's in the panhandle and watching online. Uh, we're so thankful for each and every one of you. As Mike said at the beginning, none of us would be here if it wasn't for mothers. Well, this morning, uh, we're starting a new series on waiting on the Lord. And I think mothers know a thing or two about waiting. Another term for waiting is patience. And there's a new lesson in waiting and patience with children at every stage of their lives. And the lessons don't end when they grow up, do they? Those of you with adult children know well, how many of you are a fan of waiting? Like you just can't wait to wait for something. <laughs> Anybody? No? Nobody? We don't like to wait, do we? We don't like waiting in line. We don't like waiting at a table for a restaurant. We don't like waiting for a response from someone. I've spoken with people before that they uh, get frustrated when they send somebody a text and it takes more than like three to five seconds for them to respond. Like, come on, what else could be more important than me and what I want right now? Like, (laughs) what else could be going on in your life? And I know all of you mothers are thankful that children aren't like that. (laughs) Right? Children are good waiters. Children are born patient, aren't they? I don't know if I've ever met anyone who enjoyed patiently waiting for something, for anything for that matter, One of the things that we wait for and we often struggle with is waiting on God and waiting on hearing His voice. And I know this is a struggle for many of us. And so before I get into this message, I kind of wanted to start out by sharing uh, a testimony in a sense of how this particular message and this particular series got started and how God kind of uh, spoke to me in different ways. And I think he, he speaks to all of us in different ways at different times and through different people and through his word and through listening to other messages or reading books and uh, certainly reading the Bible And I think that as he speaks through his word and prayer uh, and maybe hearing part of this testimony of how he speaks uh, to me sometimes will maybe make you recognize ways that God is trying to speak to you, but you're missing it. You're not hearing it. You're not seeing it. Have you ever uh, talked to your children? And and, and before we get into that example, um, it just made me think of... uh, how we think, and I've, I've said this myself, like, well, if God were speaking to me, I would hear it. And so we kind of come to a place where we just say, well, God's not speaking to me. You may be saying he's speaking to me, but if God were speaking to me, I would hear it. Well, how often, uh, and, a, and a mother can attest to this, have you spoken to your child who's right in front of you and they don't hear you? And unfortunately, I'm ashamed to admit um, that this doesn't just occur with children. How many of you are married? (laughs) So sometimes my wife is speaking to me. We're physically in the same room. Like, she's probably four feet away from me. She's physically there. Audible voice. And the first thing I hear is, are you listening to me? And it's like I come from a, 
another planet back into my body, and I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Were you saying something? Yet we think if God were speaking to us, we would hear Him. But we don't hear the own voices that are right there, audibly speaking. So I want to propose something to you that God is speaking to you. He is speaking, but you're not hearing it. And He speaks to me many times that I miss it because I'm not listening and I'm distracted and I'm focused on something else and I just don't hear Him. And part of hearing God is waiting on Him and quieting ourselves. And that's what uh, this, this series is going to be on, is waiting on and listening to God. And, and so this example that I want to give you that I think uh, many of you have experienced in the natural of how this message developed and how God was speaking it to me uh, is, is kind of like the natural experience of buying a new car or a new-to-you car. It doesn't really matter if it's used or new. But have you ever bought a new car and, you know, you researched, you looked, you found the one you wanted, you, you got it, and now you're driving around in it, and all of a sudden you realize that everyone has this make and this model of car. Like, they're all over the place. You never noticed them before, but now they're everywhere you look. You see them in parking lots, at the grocery store, at your work, at the, you know, all over the place on the road. So everybody on the same weekend that you bought that car went out and bought one too, right? No, of course not. But you didn't notice it until you had one, until you were in one. And so I think a lot of times, and this is what I experienced in, in, in how God was speaking this word, is he started speaking a word to me, and then I started seeing it everywhere as I started to listen. And I want to propose that God may be speaking something to you. And if you're hearing the same thing, seeing the same thing all over the place, well, just maybe God's trying to tell you something. And you might ought to quiet yourself down and focus a little bit and listen and ask Him if He's trying to show you something in this thing that just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. So I, I felt like God was putting waiting on him in prayer and just uh, listening and settling ourselves down in my heart. And it became clear, uh, really clear for the first time when I finished up the last series I was on in mid-March. And we looked at Habakkuk 1, 2 through 5. And Habakkuk was crying out to the Lord, but he wasn't getting a response. He said, God, I'm crying out. I'm seeing violence around me and you're not doing anything. And he was frustrated like we are, and he was waiting, and he was getting frustrated in the waiting, and I couldn't get that passage out of my mind. I couldn't get it out of my heart. And, and then God just keep, kept bringing it up and bringing it up. And as you know, uh, Pastor Darrell then did a three-week series and, and went through the entire book of Habakkuk. It was funny this morning, uh, as we were getting ready, this, they were checking these slides, and Amanda Thomas, she noticed that um, there was Habakkuk verses up here. And she was like, got kind of panicked. And she's like, who's preaching today? And I was like, I am. And she was like, well, there's Habakkuk scriptures up there. I was like, yeah, we're talking about it again. We're still in Habakkuk. And I was like, that's me, but, but they're supposed to be there. And I promise after this morning, we're going to move on from Habakkuk. But I would say, hasn't it been good? And God has been really speaking a word out of this. And I couldn't really think of a better example. And, and like I said, it was, 
it was part of this process where both uh, when Phil Joel, and I'll share just a minute uh, about that when he was here, uh, some things that he shared that spoke the same thing, and then every single one of Pastor Daryl's messages were speaking the same thing to me, but it was from a different perspective. The word they were sharing was from a different point of view and for a different purpose, but because God was speaking to me about waiting and prayer and waiting on him, that's what stood out from the message. And I think God, God speaks to us that way if we're listening and if we'll wait on him. I was reminded of, of Samuel when he was a boy. God called to him by name and was actually calling his name Samuel, if you've, if you've read that account. And God calls him three times, and each time he hears his name called, he goes to Eli and says, you know, you called me, what, what do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And God calls him again, and he comes back, and Eli says again, I didn't call you. Well, this happens three times. And on the third time, and it's found in 1 Samuel 3.10, Eli tells Samuel, the next time you hear the voice, he said, that's God calling you. That's his voice you're hearing. The next time you hear it, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And God called a fourth time, and Samuel responded, and God spoke to Samuel the rest of his life. And he knew his voice and he listened to it and he responded. So when you look around and you see that maybe God's trying to get your attention, showing you the same thing over and over, calling your name over and over, try getting quiet. Wait on him. Listen. Ask him to speak. And then listen. I'm going to share a couple of those examples of how God kept reiterating this to me. And as I said, some of them came uh, through Pastor Darrell's series and from Phil. And when Phil was here, uh, he shared part of his testimony, how he and his wife began praying together and having a quiet time. And they would have a quiet time separately and then a quiet time together. And the thing that stood out to me in that whole testimony was that he said, nothing really changed overnight. It wasn't an instant Oh, here's God. We waited for him one day, one moment, and here he is. He said it happened over weeks and months and even years. And he talked about how the one day that his wife came and she said, It's working. It's working. God's changing me. I can feel him working in me. I'm not the same as I was before. And they couldn't point to one moment or one instant, but they knew that they'd waited on God and he was working. And that's the way God works. He's always at work. But we have to wait on Him and trust in Him and believe that the work He's doing is good. And as Pastor Darrell walked us through the whole book of Habakkuk, there are many things that stood out. And I just want to point out a couple of verses and then we'll move on. Habakkuk 1, verse 2 and verse 5. Uh, and I touched on these in that message in March on prayer. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? And God responds in verse 5 saying, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. One of the things that Pastor Darrell pointed out in the series that we didn't talk about uh, when I shared it was that what God was doing, this work that he wouldn't believe, was judgment on Israel. It wasn't what we would call a good thing. But it was a good thing because God was trying to bring them back to him. 
They were falling away. They needed that to be drawn back to Him. So often we look at things and see circumstances or negative things and we get upset because we're like, this isn't good. And God's saying, this is what you need. It's the only way I can bring you back to me. Whatever God has for us, even when it's a reprimand, it's good. And he says, you can't see it, but I'm working. It may not make sense to you. You may not be able to comprehend it. It may not be what you would desire. It may not be in the timing that you would like, but I'm at work and it's good. And then in Habakkuk 2.3, God answers Habakkuk again and says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Wait for it. There it is again. The thing that we all love to hear and the thing that we all love to do is to wait. To have patience. And he says, if it seems slow, wait. If you don't think I'm working, wait. If you're not hearing me, wait. And I loved how Pastor Darrell presented Habakkuk 2.20. It gave me a whole new insight into how we can wait before the Lord in prayer It says, the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. Pastor Darrell said it was like God saying, hush. Hush. Be quiet. That's enough talking. Even as dramatic as shut up. Would you just shut up for one second? I'm sure none of you mothers have ever had to ask your child to hush. I think I heard that once, maybe twice when I was growing up. (laughs) My mom's laughing right now. (laughs) And this is something I'm extremely guilty of, not only with God, but with people. And like I shared a minute ago, even with my own wife, I can be talking and, and she's trying to say something, and I just keep talking. And I, that's the way I grew up. My family uh, was very loud, and everybody would just talk all the time. There'd be ten people talking at once. And if you wanted to be heard, you just talked louder. And eventually, everybody else would be like, oh, he's the loudest one, let's listen to him. Until somebody, you know, outdid them. And said, oh, okay, I'll stop talking and let you talk. And I've actually given my wife permission, like I've told her, just tell me to be quiet, like just yell and like get my attention and just say, stop talking. You know, and I was like, I'll stop, I promise. And she's like, it doesn't work that way. Like, that's not the way she wants to have a conversation with me. And that's the way God is. He says, I'll wait. And she doesn't. Even, like I said, I've told her, and I, we, I, she was in the first service. So you, everybody could tell her this isn't secret stuff. <laughs> so she listened to it in the first service. Um, but over and over and over, I've told her, I was like, you can, you can tell me just to be quiet. Like, I'm asking because I'm saying, I need that. I need you to tell me to be quiet. And she's like, it doesn't work that way. I want you to want to listen to me. And so the way that I know now is she stops talking. And then it, and it takes me a while to figure it out because I'm filling the void. And eventually I realize she's not talking anymore. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble again. 
But it's too late then. I've already hurt her because I wasn't valuing her and what she had to say and what input she had. And I was just going on and on and on. And how often do we go to God in prayer like that? that, And prayer is a conversation, but it's not supposed to be a one-sided conversation. And we go to God and we talk and we talk and we talk. And then we're like, oh, that's my prayer time. And I'll go about my day. And God's like, well, I guess you didn't want to hear me. It made me think about uh, an, an earthly example. Like if you could imagine that you had a problem and, and the person in the world that knew the most about that, that was most knowledgeable uh, of your problem, was going to spend a day with you. Or maybe your field of employment, that they're the best in your field and they're going to be with you for a day and you're going to have this opportunity to be with this person that has so much knowledge about things that you need to know about. And so the day arrives and you, you meet them and you start talking to them and you start telling them about yourself and what's going on and how you got to the place that you were and why these things happened and, and give them the reasons and excuses and why you know this didn't work and I got hurt by this person and they did this wrong and this. And you go on and on and on until the day's done and it's time for them to go. And you wish them good and they, they go on their way and you think, man, that was great. I got to meet them. It takes a couple days afterward and it finally dawns on you that you never heard anything they had to say. You thought it was good because they listened to you and they politely nodded and talked and kind of went along with the conversation, but you realize you never gave them a, a moment to input into your life and to speak to your problems. Yet we have the God of all creation the King of kings and Lord of lords that we can come to that knows literally everything about everything. And that's the way we treat Him. We come to Him and we throw everything up and we say, this is what we want and this is how we want it and we want you to do it now and we want it done this way and this is what happened. This is why I didn't do that. And we have all these excuses and all these reasons and we give all these requests and then we say, okay, now I'm going to go about my day. And God says, okay, I'll wait for you next time. Maybe next time you'll listen to me, what I have to say about all the things that you're concerned about. If you'll just hush up. If you'll just stop talking for one moment and listen and wait on me. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. Hush, if we could just be quiet enough to listen, think about it. One last reference to Habakkuk, and then I promise we're getting out and we'll be out of it for a while. It's an example or his, him bearing his heart that shows that he didn't like waiting any more than we do. He didn't like it. It was actually miserable for him. In Habakkuk 3.16, he says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound and rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. He's literally physically sick, spiritually ill, just totally uh, overwrought with this burden of waiting. And he says, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. 
the original judgment that God said was going to come on Israel hasn't even come yet. But God had also said that the one that he used to judge would also be judged. And Habakkuk saying, I'm, even though I'm physically and emotionally miserable, I'm going to quietly wait on the fulfillment of your whole word. On the judgment and the, the punishment that's coming on us, but also the, the punishment that will come on those who come to punish us because it's your good work and it's for your good purpose. I will wait for the fulfillment of your whole word. And he finishes with this. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread on my high places. We can wait on His promises. We can wait for His Word. And after you hear His Word, wait on the fulfillment. Be patient. He's at work. If He explained His whole work to us, we couldn't comprehend it. He's moving and He's working, but we have to wait. And though it may seem like everything around us is going on, the the scenario He describes is the fields are empty, the animals are gone, we've got nothing, it's not raining, it's everything is desolate, yet I will hope and I'll take joy in the God of my salvation and the Lord will be my strength. I'll wait on You. I'll trust You. Don't let the circumstances distract you from God and His Word. Psalm 135-6 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and his wor- in His Word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. My soul waits for the Lord and in His Word I hope. There's absolutely nothing like a word from God. A word that you hear from Him for yourself. Nothing is like that. Nothing can take the place of that. Others can try to tell you a million things, a million different ways, but until you hear the voice of God, a word from God for you, you can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. It's full of hope and life no matter what circumstances are going on around you. And it's worth the wait. Everywhere that I looked, God was reiterating this word. And He brought to mind a, a story that we're going to, or an account that we're going to quickly look at. It was about a man and a woman who both waited on the Lord literally their whole lives in prayer and hope, and they were not disappointed. The accounts found in Luke chapter 2, and just give a summary of verses 25 through 35, in those verses we learn about a man named Simeon. And the Word says that Simeon was waiting and longing for the Messiah to come. The message translation says that Simeon lived in prayerful expectation of Christ's coming. And I love that phrase prayerful expectation. And my prayer is that we all learn to wait on God in prayerful expectation. The Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he would see the Messiah before he died. 
And at this point, he was a very old man. And he came to the temple that day. And Joseph and Mary had brought Jesus to offer the sacrifices that were required at that time. And immediately, the Holy Spirit confirms to Simeon that this baby is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who's come to be the salvation of Israel and the world. And Simeon prophesies that over him because the Holy Spirit comes upon him and fills him and says, this baby is the Christ. (laughs) Amen. And at that, <laughs> at that same moment, Anna arrived. And we're going to read this portion in chapter verse 36. It says, There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phinuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she did not leave the area of the temple, but was serving and worshiping night and day with fastings and prayers. And she too came up at that very moment and began praising and giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all who were looking for the redemption and deliverance of Jerusalem. And I love the way the Passion Translation tells uh, 38, verse 38, it says, From that day forward, she told everyone in Jerusalem who was waiting for their redemption that the anticipated Messiah had come. Both Simeon and Anna had waited on the Lord in prayerful expectation and they saw Jesus Christ. But both of them would leave this earth before Jesus would grow up and begin his earthly ministry. Neither of them would ever hear Jesus utter a word, but they were satisfied with the revelation they had received. And they would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ until the day they would die. Anna told everyone that would listen that they didn't have to wait anymore. The Messiah was here Both Simeon and Anna were at the end of their lives before God fulfilled their prayerful expectations. And this account never ceases to amaze me. Their faith and their hope and not letting their own expectation change the way they received God's promise. Because I think if God had told me that, I would have expected to see the man. I would have expected to hear the Word. But God, the baby, shows up. And the Word inside of them and the Holy Spirit confirming who He was was enough. And they proclaimed Him. He didn't have to proclaim Himself. He couldn't proclaim Himself. But they proclaimed Him. Because God confirmed the Word, the expectation, the hope that they had. And it was enough. It's amazing what we can hear if we'll just hush and listen. And Simeon and Anna were quiet enough in their spirit that a baby could be brought in his mother's arms and they could hear the Holy Spirit saying, this is the Messiah. This is the One. This is the One I told you you would see before you died. And Simeon prophesies and Anna praises. There's plenty of opportunities to learn during times of waiting. 
Something we're going to learn in this series is that while we may think that it's difficult for us to wait on God and for us to have patience with Him, because so often everything that's in our life, we turn back to ourselves. We're so good at being self-centered. And we think it's all about us. And so when we think about waiting, we think of how hard waiting is on us. And something that God's been showing me is that God is the one that's doing the miracle of waiting. His patience and His mercy and His grace and His restraint is more than we can possibly comprehend. He's waiting on us. He refuses to force us to do anything. How often as a parent, and I've been guilty of it so many times, that there was something I wanted my children to do, so I made them do it. You'll do it because I said so. But over and over and over in our lives with our relationship with God, God just puts it out there and says, I'll wait. He says, I don't want a relationship with you if I have to force it. I don't want a relationship with you if I have to make you do it. I want you to want to be in a relationship with me and I'll wait until you're ready. God's at work, but most of the time it's not on our timetable and it doesn't meet our expectations. And just like Habakkuk and Simeon and Anna and so many other examples, He's at work and it's a good work, but it's not the way we expected To our dismay, God isn't the God that we want Him to be. It almost sounds blasphemous to say. God doesn't perform for us the way that we want Him to perform. And we give Him a list of things. If you would just do this, if you would just do it the way that I want, if you would just fix this problem, if you would just do my will, my way, everything would be okay. And we come to God with this list of expectations and He says it doesn't work that way. But I'll wait. He could crush us in an instant. And if we were given that power, I don't think we'd make it a minute before we did everything by force. I'll show you. You want to see, I'll show you. You want to see my power. You want to see what I can do. You want, me to, you want to see who I am. I'll show you. But God says, I will not work that way. I want you to respond on your own. The only one who works that way is Satan. He uses power to coerce. He attempts to force obedience through threat and destruction. Individual humans and the world governments throughout history have learned a lot from his methods. Human beings can force others to do just about anything they want. And Satan's power is external and coercive. But God has chosen to display His power internally and absolutely refuses to be coercive. In the world's eyes, it seems like God's chosen method of displaying His power may seem like weakness. And God's insistence on human freedom is so absolute that He granted us the power to live as though He doesn't exist. And He literally allowed humanity to spit in His face and to crucify Him. That's supernatural restraint. That's patience. That's waiting. 
God's power in its commitment to transform gently from the inside out and its relentless dependence on human choice looks more like abdication. We cry out like Habakkuk, violence, God, look at this, and you're not doing anything about it. Why have you abdicated your authority? Why have you abdicated your power? Why aren't you doing anything? In my own life, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to God in prayer and asked Him to take away my free will. There's areas of my life where I said, I don't, I can't do it, God. I don't want the choice. Take it away. And God says it doesn't work that way. I'm not going to make you do anything. You have to want to want me. You have to want to be in a relationship with me. You have to get quiet on your own. You have to listen on your own. I'm not going to make you. Even when we want Him to make us, He won't. Because that's how much He values love. We want God. We desire for God to take a more active role. For Him to take a heavy-handed approach. And we cry out, And what we're really doing is we're calling out to God to perform for us. Do, be the God that I want you to be. Do things the way I want you to do them. We refuse to wait on Him. We cry out with these demands in our timetables. But rather than dazzle us with power and might or forcing to obey, God says, I'll wait. Like I said, I can't. (laughs) If I had that power, we'd use it in an instant. But God has literally waited thousands and thousands of years and billions of human beings all asking the same thing. God, perform for me. Perform for me. Prove it. Prove to me that You're God and then I'll serve You. And over and over and over He says, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to come and to realize that I've done everything I can to reach out to you and I'm calling out to you and I'm crying out to you, but you've got to wait. You've got to hush. You've got to listen. How many times have your children begged and you've heard, but mom, but mom, I want it, but mom, everyone else gets to, but mom, But mom, can you fathom the amount of times God has heard throughout history? But God, but God, but God, if you would just do it this one time, but God. And he listens to our tantrums and our cries, but instead of overwhelming us and violating our free will, he says, I'll wait. I'll wait for you miraculously restraining Himself so that we might choose to wait on Him by our own free will. He wants us to love Him the way He loves us. The invitation this morning is to hush. To shut up if you need it as bold as I do. (laughs) Just be quiet. And wait patiently on God in prayerful expectation And then listen. Listen for His voice. And He might just surprise you with a word. 
One word from God, I promise, will change everything. It will give you hope. It will give you life. It will just take time to listen. Will you bow your head with me? Dearly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your love. Your limitless love, God, that we can't even begin to comprehend. Lord, your restraint, your miraculous restraint, your miraculous ability to wait, an unending patience and grace and mercy, Lord. I can't even begin to fathom how much patience it takes to put up with us. And yet you wait. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to all of our hearts this morning. That we'll wait upon you. That we'll wait upon the Lord. Lord, that we would realize that you are in your temple. And the whole world needs to take notice and listen. Be silent to hear your voice. Fathers, we sung earlier, Lord, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. Your will, your way. That's my prayer, Lord. If judgment's coming and that's your will, let it come. If revival's coming and that's your will, let it come. Lord, whatever your will is, I know it's good. That's our heart's desire, Lord. Bring that and let our ears be open and our hearts be open to hear and receive your word. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a very powerful word from Pastor Chris this morning. It either makes you want to say amen or oh my, depending on where you're at and you're waiting. But I want to encourage you that uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We've all heard it. But from this context, it's an easier way to wait. Because we're waiting in the Lord. And if we're in His presence while we wait, we will be restored. Because we're really putting ourselves under Him. We're saying, I can't do this. I'm weak, God. It's you and I'm waiting on you. That's when we get lifted up on wings like eagles. That's when we renew our strength. That's how we can keep on walking and not be faint in what we're going through at the time. So, wait in the Lord, not just on the Lord. Amen. A couple quick announcements for you this morning. This Wednesday, May 12th, is going to be the last night of Spark in our life groups for this semester. So throughout the summer, we're going to let our group leaders spend time with their families on Wednesday nights and Sunday evenings. And uh, there would be the last this marriage potluck. So if you're a married couple... Join us at Common Grounds, which is the house over here to this side. At 6.30 on Wednesday night, we're going to have Fiesta night. Bring a little dish to share. You don't have to feed everybody. Just bring a little bit for yourself and others. There's not going to be any youth tonight, senior high, junior high youth. Spend time with your mom. It's Mother's Day. Okay, your friends will be here later. Spend time with your mom. Also, at Common Grounds every Friday from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., we have coffee and fellowship. It's free. Go over and get a good cup of coffee. Spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ. Have a great day. If you're not spending time with your mom, call her. If you can't call her, just talk to her. 
Let her know that you love her. All right? Y'all, y'all be blessed. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 